brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Midday Squares. Have you ever tried a Midday Square? They are the first functional chocolate bar and they're making waves. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. They have 6 grams of protein, 4 grams of fiber, and omega-3s. Most importantly, they kill hunger, fuel your brain, boost your mood, and all from natural energy. They're everything a chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Use the code Kelsey15 at checkout to get 15% off today. Jack, tell me, tell me what has happened in the time frame from the time we recorded a couple weeks ago to now. Because what I have seen and what so many of our <laughs> listeners have seen is you made a not a mistake, you made a you made a ruckus. Over I never make frame. mistakes. I never mm. make mistakes. I make okay. decisions and I make actions. Yeah, no. Um, so the last time you and I chatted, we were going to we were on our way basically out the door. I think you were the last interview I actually did in uh, in country like in North America uh, prior to heading to Europe to attend the World Economic Forum. And then we also went over to the WHO uh, in Geneva where they're uh, debating this or planning really this pandemic treaty, this nation nationwide or worldwide really pandemic treaty. Uh, and then we also went on the ground in Ukraine, but we were, so I was, you know, talking to you about some of the plans and I was just a, a naive young man with, with uh, <laughs> my head full of dreams and aspirations and never knew what would happen when I got out into the real world. Yeah. So, so we got detained. Um, we got detained in the world economic forum in Davos in the Swiss Alps by a, a QRF, essentially quick response force of police officers who on their patches, on their arms said World Economic Forum Police. So this was the World Economic Forum's police force uh, came out and detained me and my entire crew uh, that was there filming with me about three other guys that were there at the time um with and to this to this day i have not been given an official response from them we've asked we've talked to the authorities in switzerland we've reached out to the world economic forum we've gotten no response for why we were detained we were detained we were held um mp5s were out 
And uh, this guy was flagging me at one point with his barrel. You know, obviously that was kind of a no, no. So I said, uh, I said, so I had some words with that gentleman and we were one by one put up against sort of this, uh, this wall of tables that was stacked up, put up against that said, fret said, spread them, um, hand in the front, hand in the back, you know, completely frisked and all of our bags were checked. All our vehicle was checked and they tried to get us to uh, delete our footage. And of course we refused. And we also filmed them in the act of this and they would not tell us why we were targeted. We had a detective later come by who she was asking us all sorts of questions. She tried to separate us. And apparently for the crime or the suspicion of exposing the World Economic Forum, the great global reset agenda and everything that Klaus Schwab and Dr. Tedros have cooked up for us. Because I'll tell you what, you know, prior to this being held there, I had been standing on the side of the road, you know, kind of dressed like a reporter um, talking into a TV camera. So I'm pretty sure everybody knew what I was doing there. Everyone except for the police, who did, or the World Economic Forum police, who decided that what I was doing was suspicious vicious pretty okay. pretty wild, pretty wild oh, okay so wow that's a lot you had a lot there so you left because i knew when you had left you were leaving there were some travel issues you had gotten to the country okay and did you were you flagged did you have any sort of um incident happen where you were concerned about this happening once you got to the world economic forum no we were fine we were good to go we had press credentials um through turning point usa so that's the nonprofit that we were going through uh, obviously they're a registered nonprofit in the united states and you can go see their website tpusa.com it's so easy to just anyone in the world can you know check very quickly that we're a very uh very well known in the united states uh organization got a few chapters have done events overseas etc so that was fine pass and we had our passports on us so what's interesting so check us out when we got there um by the way nobody asked me for coming outside of the united states getting to switzerland actually funny enough where we landed we actually landed in the territory of france but we were in basel france at basel uh, which is an airport about an hour outside of zurich and so we land in france then crossed the border back into Switzerland and then drove to Zurich and from, uh, from Zurich, we went to Davos. So it's about, about three hour drive in total. And um, we were not asked for COVID tests. We were not, we had COVID tests on us. We had negative tests um, that we had got done the day before we flew. And I think that's what you and I had been chatting about before mm -hmm. is that, you know, am I going to get the test? Am I going to have it enough time? Wasn't asked once. So we land in France, don't get asked then we cross the border over it's all schengen zone there so there's no like border checkpoint or anything like that get over into switzerland make our way to zurich stay the night wake up the next morning boom head to davos and the entire time i was in europe not a single person asked me for covid test no masks uh no vaccine check green pass any of that stuff and then finally the only time that we were asked to have a negative test was when I was flying back into the United States and it was the airline that checked. It wasn't even um, immigration or customs that asked. And right. so make it all the way there. Now, so we're at Davos, we're on the side of the road and I'm doing these, these stand-ups. And so we're working on essentially a documentary that's gonna come out, uh, it's still on, on its way. We're putting it together. We're calling it the Great Global Reset, um, Your Health and Your Rights. 
And so really focusing on those two, you know, kind of your finances and then also your health and, your, and medical freedom and the fact that this pandemic treaty would essentially uh, usurp the sovereignty of these 194 nations and then give that authority toward, to the World Health Organization. And of course, then the fact checkers were coming out and saying, no, 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 there's no treaty. I said, really? Because though they're there holding is. hearings on a treaty, they're hold, they've been having amendments for the treaty. The Biden administration is submitting uh, amendments to the amendments for the treaty, right? They've been holding open hearings. So it's pretty sure. And then Tedros even said, well, a, a global treaty or perhaps some other international framework. So now it's it's because we discovered what they were up to, I guess. So they're not calling it a treaty anymore, but it's this, whatever, it's the same thing, right? Identical. You know, and this is, so they play these word semantic games with you. It's an international legal framework to be able to control health decisions and be able to determine they will be able to declare right health and that's neither here nor there so i'm i'm on the side of the road we're out in front of the the world economic forum and you know your classic like tv reporter shot is all i was going for of okay guys let's position everything up it's the middle of the day um we'll line it up so that you can see the you know see the entry and they have all the flags you know the world like all the the members are there so yep. all, i want like i want the shot of the flags right so what do you want for your background post so i said i want the flags right so you know so people kind of know where i am some signage and there's people walking back and forth there's foot traffic there's security going back and forth i said great adds the adds the shot right you want to compose your your shot yep. that's when you're when you're a filmmaker right they tell you you got to compose your shots so i want all those different all those different elements in there so people can say hey, this guy's really there he's really in davos so we did a bunch of filming for that I filmed my daily podcast in the same spot. And then because we like this spot so much, um, we did a couple of live hits back in the US with various podcasts and, and daily shows and just news shows that were on. And at one point while we were filming, we got approached by two plainclothes officers. So it was right in between uh, shots and they said, hey, I wanted to come by and just you know see you guys have been here in the spot and you're filming. And we just want to ask you who you were and who you're with. So, sure, no problem. You know, security's doing its job. Got it. You know, here's who we are. Turning Point USA, well-known registered nonprofit, non-governmental organization. You know, they usually say NGO more in, in Europe. And uh, they, yeah, good to go. All right, checked out. Great. Here's our passports. You can see where we are. You know, all the info. You got it. About an hour after that, it's lunchtime. And told the crew, I said, guys, you know, they said, hey, look, we need to, we've got to charge the cameras, charge the batteries. Of course, you have to have your, like your EU adapters and everything. So they had bought this adapter and an extension cord and we're charging all the batteries, charging my, you know, me, I'm charging my phone, so I didn't check Twitter, right? Um, <laughs> so charging that all up and, and the guys are all grabbing a bite to eat. We're just sitting kind of on this, like, like a picnic table, basically, that's just there on the, uh, you know, it's sort of like a food court area. Mm -hmm. and and we're you know just talking about what what our plans are for for next shots we're actually we're going to move from that location because i said you know we've got this shot of the world economic forum let's go to another shot you know just break it up for the viewer a little bit so that's another thing you want to do in documentaries you don't want to get into the into the habit of just having one person talking with the same background all the time because that that works for a news show this is my news background behind me but you know, if you're watching a documentary, you're sitting down watching something feature length, right? You get bored, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so you want to you want us to have that environmental change. So I said, I want some mountains, right? We're in the we're in the Swiss Alps. It's beautiful. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places in all of God's creation, right? Of course, I want these beautiful Alps in the background. So I said, I want to go higher a little bit, you know, maybe get a shot where you can kind of see the city below us and the mountain, whatever, right? Which we did eventually get, but it's a little bit longer than we thought it was going to be. And, um, and at that point, two minivans roll up, blue minivans roll up. And what, what I can only describe as a quick response force, a QRF, just marshals out of these vans no police indication on the outside of the vehicle like no 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 no. it was it was labeled it was labeled i mean you could tell it was it was uh, like when you say minivans it sounds like real sketch that's why i'm like hold on no no they were were marked they were marked and um i'm just saying that for size and so about (laughs) about five each came out mp5s drawn of these officers come out and said you you know you surround us um, then stand with some of them turned towards us, some of them toward some of them towards turned towards the crowd. Um, and they said, you got you need to you need to stay here, you can't leave. Um, and we need to we need to go through your identification and ask you a bunch of questions. And we're all sitting there like, you know, food half chewed in your mouth, say, like, what? <laughs> you know, what's up? And they they run through the same rig and roll again of and as I said before you know we got frisked uh, one by one and then of course me again because I did have my phone there and I had um, I bought a local SIM card so I'm up on um, uh, texting I start texting my brother and my wife who at this point they're on an, in another section of the World Economic Forum all the way down it's called the Promenade so they were on the other side of the Promenade for me and then there's a security area in the front. So I start texting them frantically saying, you guys got to come, you got to get here, something's going on, we're being detained, you know, I want footage of this, I want evidence of this, but get here in case, you know, I didn't know if they were going to take us away or move us somewhere, because then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't know how to link back up with them. So, you know, they always say that, you know, you have to have a plan for every contingency, well, every contingency happens, right. And so you got to figure out what you're doing. So, Fortunately for us, though, because my brother and my wife hadn't been with us at that moment, they were not detained. They were able to run back over as they're running back over and like up the street and down. Because remember in the Alps, right? Um, like running around this Swiss mountain, uh, they run into another journalist, Savannah Hernandez, who had been with the Blaze, and she was over reporting for uh, the Rebel, I believe, out of out of Canada, and. Um, she comes as she sees them running. She said, Kevin, Tanya, what's what's going on? They said, Jackson, trouble. We gotta go. We gotta go help. Suicide squad. Starts running over. I love it. I I love yeah. that you guys you responded that way. I I'm and really then, cu- so then eventually she gets over. This is about an hour later. I'll just get to the end of it. Yeah, yeah. No, go she for it. Over about an hour later, sticks her camera right in their face. And is what are you doing? Why are you detaining these journalists? Why you know what's the what's the you know, the function here, do you have a warrant? Do you have, and here's what's amazing. The detective, uh, I call her Davos Scully because she kind of looked like Scully from the X-Files. She goes, she goes, we have a reason for yes. this. And, and then she goes, okay, what is this? She goes, first of all, these are not arrested. This is a normal police control. Oh, it's just a control. So it's just a control. It wasn't arrest, it was a control, right? Totally different. 
And, um, and she said, we have a reason, but we do not need to tell you the reason. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. So, and to, to this day, cannot get an answer. The statement, they released a public statement from the local police. So the way it works is, by the way, I did find this out. So it's not necessarily that, so, and of course the fact checkers, right? They put out fact checkers that say, so fact check, the World Economic Forum does not have its own police force. So, okay, well, but the badge says very clearly World Economic okay. Forum Police, right? Yeah. You know, I'm prior military. I, my first thing my eyes go to is a badge and, and, and patches. And, it's, and they said, no, no, this is totally different. You see, there are local police in Switzerland who are assigned as a task force to the World Economic Forum. So, oh, it's complete, see, it's completely different completely it's different super different so totally different and they're not we weren't detained no 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 we were merely questioned as a normal police control procedure you see it's completely different from detention i said well okay guns drawn yes quick response force yes mp5s nine millimeter uh was i allowed to leave no was my crew allowed to leave no we're refreshed that's detainment, right? If you get pulled over, technically speak, I actually had to look this up because the, they were fact checking this and saying that this wasn't a detention. And it's like, you know, it, you know, it's like the, what's the libertarian thing? Am I being detained? Am I being detained? Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, it, technically speaking, if, if you get pulled over on the side of the road for speeding or running through a red light or something, that's detention, right? Mm -hmm. You are, that is- You can't leave. Yeah, if you can't leave, you're detained. That's the definition of detention. And I was very specific about this, right? I didn't say I was arrested. I wasn't trying to exaggerate. I wasn't trying to say that they'd put me in handcuffs or anything. I've been very accurate about what I've said. I've been very measured in what I've said because I, you know, I want it to be the exact series of events as it took place, right? And if we had been in handcuffs, we would have been in handcuffs. I would have said that, but we weren't. No silver bracelets. I'm sure they wanted to. Um, but it was amazing that they denied they actually denied essentially having done this and said it was merely questioning. He said, no, 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 the plain, plain clothes guys was the questioning. This thing, and I've got the video and it's got 4 million views. By the way, that video and Savannah Hernandez's account, gone. Has what? Been has been suspended by Twitter. That initial video, and I've got a copy of the video, of course, but that initial post that she made, her entire account is suspended. And that initial video, which had 4 million views, gone. So she's Twitter. suspended from Twitter right now. And she's suspended from Twitter. I want you to send me her contact after this. Um, so, okay, I got a couple of questions. She's, so still when I was... up, she's still up Instagram and okay. uh, True Social and all that stuff. Okay, good. Well, I need to chat with her. Um, so that's what I was trying to say before was I wanted to know, was that her that was taking the filming at that initial point? Because I know exactly what point you're talking about when the Swiss, um, your accent was well done there. When the Swiss uh, were talking to the reporter, that was her on the other end of the camera that that was right, taking that camera. footage. And yeah. I've got another video from because my brother was there as well. So I've got another video. Uh, it's, it's like inception of from my brother of him filming, <laughs> filming her, her, film her. <laughs> All the cameras uh, are turned on one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. You can get point, every angle. What was really amazing, though, and this shows you the power, the absolute power of social media and the power of citizen journalism, is that it was the power of her being there 
and then my brother being there, my wife being there, and they started causing a crowd. They started mm -hmm. causing a commotion. The fact that these people realize, oh, wait, we're being broadcast live. People can see our actions, right? We're and just our faces. Accountability, right? Actual accountability. That's when they dropped everything. That's when, because right before Savannah had gotten there, that detective, Davos Scully, Davos Scully is saying, oh, I want to review your footage now. I want to see the things that you've been filming. Like, uh, do, you have, do you have a warrant for that? Do you, what do you mean you want us to make camera? Then she goes to my, uh, basically the, like the lead guy who was there. She says, why don't you come back to my police van and you can hook your camera up in there and I, it'll be easier for me to watch. I was like, no, you're not. We are, you are not separating us. Because this is what you do, by the way. Like, I, I was at Guantanamo Bay, right? I, I know how this works. What you do is you want to separate the group so that you can question them individually to see if their story changes based on what was said in one area versus another. And if, you know, if one word, right, is is different or you say, you know, say, oh, we showed up on Monday, but actually showed up on Tuesday. And then it was funny because they went <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dime him out, but they went to one of our one of our camera guys and they were like, which day did you get here? He's like, um, what day is it? Oh no, not the right answer. <laughs> Wrong time. You know, and, and he's just, you know, he's just one of those guys, you know. He's like, wait, today is uh listen, there's a time change. You guys are sleep deprived. I right, feel like right, there's right, an excuse exactly. here. He's just um, you know, I wish I could give him the benefit of the doubt on that one, but no, he's, he's just like that. Normally he's like, I, I don't know what they did. Right Listen, now. I was trying to be a good person for this guy here. I was trying to right, help exactly. him here. I, I did I, my I, best. So tell me. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. Very, very godly of you. And, I, I'm, uh, I'm very kind to that way. Tell me he, he, how yeah. you. So, so I, I, at that point I had said, no, we're not going anywhere. If you want to watch some of the footage, we'll, sh I was like, here's what we'll do. Cause I'm, you don't want to be in, in counter interrogation training. They say two things, right? First, you want to humanize yourself in any way possible. You want to build rapport with your your captor, right? Whoever's detaining you. Obviously, this would be referred to as governmental detention, peacetime governmental detention. So it's not a hostile detention. It's not terrorist force or something like that. It's a different set of rules in that case. But um, for my counterinterrogation training, what they've said, number one is you want to humanize yourself. So minute the guy takes me over to go frisk me, I'm wearing a pair of 5'11 pants, right? I'm all, I'm tactical, right? So tactical. Walking, walking around the mountains, you know, I'm not gonna wear a full suit. Uh, but I had basically, you know, a shirt and jacket on top. And I said, Hey, man, you ever, you ever wear these 5'11s? I love these. These are great. You know, I love the pockets, the flexibility, lightweight, you know, it's really great. You can stretch. Um, built for mountain climbing. I said, you do much mountain climbing around here? And he's and he's just talking and we're and we're going through having this conversation. Immediately his posture shifts towards me. He doesn't view me as a threat anymore. Um, it takes away that tension, it just melts it away. And now he sees me as another per person who's just in this situation, right? The same way that he could potentially be in this situation, uh, you know, if he had been the guy on the other end of the camera, right? So that was number one. Number two, though, was they say you can be firm, right? Be firm, but you want to be cooperative. So I said, I, you know, Davos Scully is trying to separate us. I said, look, you, you can't separate us, right? That's no way. But if you want, if you want, you know, we'll show you the last clip that we shot. Because I know there's nothing like even remotely right. uh, suspicious or 
uh, problematic in terms of a security standpoint on the Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Were you like, what you were filming was truly what you said you were filming. It, and the fact that you got- Never a, moved you, the camera. We never it, even moved it. It was on tripod. We never moved it. It blows my mind that you guys actually were able to leave the country with that footage. Uh, well, at that, it was because Savannah had showed up. And when she showed up and just got in their face and started putting that accountability on them, that's when they completely folded. They realized that it was turning into, they realized that they had lost control of the situation. Right. And now the situation is spiraling out of control. And I mean, and, and I'm, you know, on like every podcast, every news show after that, Sky News uh, was, you know, covering it. And, you know, they, they realized that they had lost narrative control. And so I realized, look, I surmise that what they probably did was in the time period is about an hour between when those plainclothes guys came by and then when this happened. In that hour, they waited. They looked up who we were. They looked mm -hmm. up who Turning Point USA was. They looked up the things that maybe I had said before about the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum in general. And they targeted us not because of what we were doing, but because of who we were. Absolutely. And that it was an attempt by them to control the narrative because, you know, of course they didn't release any body cam footage. They didn't release any, you know, issues from what, from their perspective. They didn't even, they wanted to act like it never even happened. They tried to right. deny that it happened. What? And this okay. to show you the power though of the citizen, the power of the individual and the power of the fact that if you have, right, you know, they used to say uh, the pen is mightier than the sword, right? Well, now the keyboard is mightier than the pen. Mm -hmm. the, the smartphone, the iPhone is mightier than the pen because you can go live. You can go live to a million people, million eight, um, immediately, whatever you have. If you just hit that button and you're in good signal. Right. That puts these people in their place. They don't know how to respond to that. They don't know no. how to, you flip it. You flip the script completely. Well, they've never been met with, I think, a lot of these organizations and institutions that are popping up or have maybe have always been here and we're just starting to fully understand the extent in which they're really tied into our communities. I don't think they've ever or thought they would ever be met with people willing to, to go up against them. Um, right. the, Cause what you're talking about here, isn't just talking about like a police force. This is, you're talking really about the, the, the little, I hate saying, cause it sounds so conspiratorial, but it's true. That reset button is really, they've said, people have said on air, on camera, it is a reset. They're trying to do things to our well, they're world. The ones who came, Klaus Schwab has the book, The Great Reset. Right? Yeah. That's his, so his that's name, his deal. not ours. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that person, but I think there's a reality to this that we need to start looking at. And I think it's been illustrated very well by individuals like yourself who have broken it down for people who just want to understand what is going on. Because when I was in Texas during this, when, when you were over there, um, I had this conversation with an individual and I said, do you understand what's going on? And he had no clue. So can you explain a little bit about what the global reset is supposed to look like and why that meeting was so paramount for these countries? Because what it seems like now is there's been countries that have pledged their choices during the next pandemic that we feel is already being said is going to happen soon, according to Bill Gates. Um, they're giving over their rights, their sovereign rights as a nation to decide what to do with its citizens. So can you kind of get into that a little bit for people? Right. So 
And according to Brownstone Institute and Senator Rand Paul here in the U.S. has been uh, really just excellent on this, that the pandemic treaty, even though it was not signed, didn't end up being signed this time. So to, to give everyone the geography of it, right, the, the World Economic Forum is being held in Davos, but about three hours drive away across the Alps in Geneva is the World Health Organization Summit, the World Health Assembly. These are being held concurrently. So we actually left Davos the next day and then drove over to Geneva to cover what was going on there. Then we drove back. And so the idea for this, um, obviously Davos is the one that gets a lot more attention, but um, honestly, what's happening in Geneva with this pandemic treaty might end up being far more influential and far more reaching for us and for our communities because the stated reason for this, right? This is what's amazing. So the stated reason for this treaty was that they were talking about how, you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, the beginning of COVID-19, that the CCP and China and Xi Jinping, they were locking up doctors. They said, you're spreading rumors and you're, you're yep. lying, you're making it up. And they were, they were trying to cover up the fact that they had a problem on their hands and that something had leaked into their uh, communities and they, they wanted to shut it down, right? Mm -hmm. So this was sold to a lot of people and the way they're trying to set to market it essentially is to say, well, no, no, this is just a way to get around authoritarian regimes like the CCP so that we could declare a pandemic in there. Because the way it's supposed to be now is that you self-report. Right. Um, and so now they want to make it that we can declare a pandemic in your country and then we can have the power to essentially declare whether you're going to have a lockdown or if you're gonna have a vaccine mandate and all of these different things. Well, these are the different articles that are being amended to it. Well, as you can imagine, just like anything else, when you give more power to either the government or in this case, when your government's giving more power to a supranational, transnational organization like this, you are given, nobody elected these people, by the way, right? Yeah. Dr. Tedros and uh, Klaus Schwab, these guys are nobodies, right? They, they've never been elected in their lives They've never been the heads of any uh, governmental body. They've never stood before their fellow citizen and said and and raised their hand and said, "Vote for me because I want to be your leader." Right? They've never. How? How then? That. How does a person get to that level of power then? Because the people who are in power realize the influence that these mm. organizations could have. And so they go to them or places like the CCP will then fund them, will finance them, will build them up, give them more power. Right? And by the way, their organizations, the, the World Health Organization headquarters, it's, it's so ugly. It's one of the most ugly. It's like an eyesore in the city of Geneva, which is gorgeous, right? It's like a French city. And it's, it's right there nestled in the Alps. It's, it's beautiful blue Lake Geneva, the deepest like Alpine blue that you've ever seen, almost like an aquamarine. And it's gorgeous. And then you see the World Health Organization building and it looks like Joseph Stalin designed it, right? It's disgusting, concrete, brutalist. And you just want to, you just want to say like, like get rid of it. Just, what is it even right. doing there? And, and you realize that Geneva is really a city that's heavily associated with Woodrow Wilson. So there's the Palace of Woodrow Wilson there. There's Woodrow Wilson Boulevard. Um, there's Woodrow Wilson Marina, right? And so what was Woodrow Wilson? He was the one who originally had the idea for kind of globalism 1.0. He was like the grandfather of globalism. And it was called then the League of Nations. And so the Palace of Nations is now the headquarters of the UN in Geneva. 
It's right next door to the headquarters of the WHO. They're holding the World Health Assembly meeting in the Palace of Nations. It was originally built as the head of the League of Nations. And it was this idea that Wilson, it wasn't just Wilson, by the way, because the British had a huge, huge hand in this, right? Because the idea was the British were like, okay, we lost the empire, but how do we still, how do we still maintain power? We don't want to lose mm -hmm. our power. We think we can, we can find ways to do that. So they get Wilson in and they, and they say, we're going to do, it's going to call it the League of Nations, then eventually call it the United. And a lot of people think, by the way, that the United Nations is run out of that, that headquarters in New York, another ugly building, by the way. No, <laughs> the, the actual, the engine, right? The steam engine of the United Nations is Geneva because they were setting up the city of Geneva to be a global capital or at least a Western capital. That's what they want. But when you look at it, none of the people there are elected. None of the people there have ever been um, chosen by their own people. These aren't representatives. They are, they are essentially faceless, right? They're like, it's like the faceless men from Game of Thrones of these, these leaders who have so much immeasurate power over us, over medical decisions, over whether or not, I mean, you were just telling me you can't travel, right? Yeah. Because of these medical decisions. And, and, but we get told, we get told that it's it's not like the Soviet Union and this is the commissar comes down and gives an order. No, it's not an order, it's guidance, right? It's guidance, guidance in the CDC in the United States, guidance from the WHO, oh, just following good WHO guidance. Who could blame you, right? And you see yeah. that's how they do it now. They say it's just a guideline, but don't you dare break that guideline. Don't right. you dare go against that because then you'd be anti-science and you can't be anti-science because then you're just some sort of bigot. What I don't understand is how we have our governments who are elected officials going to these meetings, sitting down and giving any sort of legitimacy to even entertaining the idea of having a one global power that is very easily influenced. And I'm pretty sure if I haven't, if I'm not misspeaking, there are large ties with the WEF and the CCP. Of course, and they're everywhere. They were ever, I'll tell you one thing. So. We're there in the WEF. We're at, you know, Davos Forum. So Meta's there and they've got this whole, you know, the metaverse and you check it out. By the way, my wife, they asked her to see the metaverse. This girl comes up to her and she says, she says, oh, it'll be great. You can go in the metaverse and it's, it'll be so wonderful for kids that your kids, they won't even need to go to a zoo anymore. They can just have the metaverse. They don't even need to see the, you can see the animals here. And that was like this design that set up. And my wife, and she's Eastern European, and she looks at this girl, she's like, what do you mean my kids won't go to the zoo? You mean, instead of going to the zoo to see a real animal in the real world, that you're gonna put a screen on their face attached to their eyes, and they're gonna be sitting in a chair in a room somewhere? That's what you want for my kids? Right, right. It was such a great hearing a mom's perspective on this stuff. Well, no, it's disgusting. I, it's I can't insane. stand this. It's I get no that's way. where technology is going. Listen, I get that's where AI is going. I get all of that. But not a single person will be able to tell me that sitting my kid in front of a screen no. and having them experience life is a better way than them going outside not, and it, being well, it's in the not forest. Experience. You're not experiencing anything. No, it's you're not. It's, it's a virtual reality, an augmented reality in some cases, but it's not the same thing as having a real experience. And the problem is, our, and, and the technology is getting better, right? And the idea though is, is because they are taking all the power, the Great Reset mm -hmm. is the 1% ability. And here's, here's, here's my, my, big, my big sense of it, right? You asked about the CCP. Yep. 
when I worked in, did I tell the story the last time when I was in Shanghai? Which one? We talked about Shanghai and we talked about your time over in China, but I don't know which well, story that was. Well, the idea that, in, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, and I'm, I'm sorry if, I, if I'm- if No, I'm it's totally fine. Again, but we, as the West, right, we collectively said after Tiananmen Square, we said, you know what? The way to quote unquote fix China isn't to fight the CCP. We're going to bring the CCP into our economic uh, integration. So we're going to bring them in right. the World Trade Organization. We're going to give them all this financial capital. We're going to give them these deals. And people were making so much money off of this, off of this relationship, that the trade-off would be, the trade-off would be that we use the slave labor, right? The slave level waiver, uh, labor in China to manufacture everything. So they're going to manufacture the goods. You're going to be the workers. And then the elites and the 1% in the West would be the ones who reap the benefits of this. But the way they sold it was that, oh, you know, it's going to make China more free and more open and more transparent and la, 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 la. Well, yeah. of course, that's not what happened. And when I was in Shanghai, I would go, I would be just working for the Chamber of Commerce and I was working in international business and I would see U.S. leaders, American leaders, and, and uh, Canadian as well leaders come over, and they would say, wow, I love your model. I love the way this works. You know, if you want to build a high-speed rail, you just you just build it. You got some historic buildings in the way. You got- You take it down. You got property in the way. Just get rid of it. Move them. It's like, and it's that's what's going on in Xinjiang right now. If you look at the Uyghurs situation for China, it's when they, you know, they want to build a, this, people don't understand this. We think it's just, oh, they, China hates the Uyghurs. So they're, it's throwing them in concentration camps. No, they're trying to build an economic corridor across Central Asia through, nobody looks at what's on the other side of Xinjiang. The other side of Xinjiang, it's across the Himalayas. Then you've got, it, you cross the Hindu Kush. So you've got India there. Then you've got Afghanistan on one end, right? With their Taliban ties. Then Pakistan. They're trying to build a road, a bridge, a, a, a land bridge, essentially, between China, Pakistan, and then boom, Saudi Arabia. Why? It's just about, it's, a, it's oil, right? They want to get that oil across. And the Uyghurs, problem for China was that the Uyghurs are in the way. So what do you do? You lock them all up. The Great Reset is, the we is Western leaders' plan, essentially, to copy the CCP model and install that here in the West. But they can't just come out and say it. They can't just admit these things because obviously they would never stand, right? I mean, they might as well now. They pretty much are saying it. I mean, anybody who's just, no one's just listening. No one's listening because if you do say anything, or they you're them. racist or you're censored. Think of, it, think of it, right? So you have the same censorship regime so i took down by the way we found this out also in between when you and i chatted last that i took down the uh the disinformation governance board i heard so washington post and crazy taylor Lorenz actually credited me with uh with being the person that that was able to shut this down congratulations by exposing it thank you i actually found out i was in the i was in the in the line in the Vatican Museum, in the line to go in to visit the Sistine Chapel with my wife, and I get a text message. It's like, oh, the Washington Post is coming after you. It's like, great, what did I do? You know, and this, and my wife's like, hey, it's, it, you know, we have like these time tickets, right? And you yeah. got to go in. And, uh, and Tanya's like, hey, we got to go in. They're closing in an hour. I said, I think I took down the government, the disinformation board and all this. 
but so we're we're learning more right 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 which is good but they're going to try to bring it back they're going to try to bring they it are. Back. you have to be absolutely mindful of this but we got more documents out so senator grassley and senator hawley released documents internally from the meeting minutes and some legislation they were looking at and here's what's an amazing uh key point that i that i clued in on they were going to create a website called rumor control they were going to call it the rumor control section of the disinformation governance board and this is under the department of homeland security right so it's all being done in the name of safety the same mm. way all the health stuff is pushed it's all in the name of safety it's all in the name of cleaning things up and just making things better and they were going to call it rumor control we're just going to control the rumors and they slipped up i'll tell you why because i know from my experience in china that's mm. the exact same phrase that the ccp uses to oh. censor their internet they call it controlling the dissemination of rumors. And if you go back and you look at those doctors that were arrested in the early days of COVID-19, they were they were arrested for the charge of spreading rumors, rumors. spreading hostile rumors <laughs> online. That's exact. So when I saw that phrase rumors in an American government document, I said, you know what? That's a direct tie to the CCP. It's the not only the same type of thing it's the exact same phrase that it's the, the language center yeah to censor that's okay that's what i try to i try to keep my my conspiratorial talk to a minimum but the, here's where i'm running into an issue it's so out of control that it's no longer conspiratorial they're outright explaining we have the two people yeah not only just in documentation i had an individual on the show recently he's coming back on his family lives in China. And right. we had this conversation. He goes, they talk about this. This is something they acknowledge. They want to do. It is the long game. And it's the plan. It's always been. Yeah. The and they're march. not hiding it. They're not hiding it anymore. But we can't talk about it because if we speak about it, then we are racist and communistic. Um, we're, we're just racist is really what it comes down to. Is the yeah, one I racist, get the most. You're bigoted, you're disinformation. Disinformation. Actually, I, one. I got a new one last week. I, I hadn't heard this before. Ooh, the excited. new one they, they tried to throw at me last week was that I'm anti-democracy. Oh yeah. Super right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's the new one. So I'm 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 now anti-democracy. Where I'm like, where I'm the one sitting here saying, hey, these unelected transnational organizations that no one voted for are trying to take our rights away. They say, oh, you can't say that you're anti-democracy. Wait, no, but I'm the one who. <laughs> the, right. the, me the media in Canada right now <clears throat> is going through some more of this. We have, we're having a lot of, again, uh, major issues. Uh, we have some individuals. Uh, we have an individual that's walked across Canada to try to get attention who's been completely blacked out by the media. Hey, you, have you checked in with yourself today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Have you had enough water? This is your midday check-in, brought to you by Midday Squares. Big breath in. <sighs> I'm back at it. He's wow. a vet. We have people who are going to parliament on a regular basis. We have people who are trying to get any sort of attention. We even have the Liberal Party turning on itself. And yet somehow we are still sitting here going, there is no involvement with any outside influence and that this is just all Trudeau's making when we lost gun rights a couple weeks ago just woke up to like no nope, well, Trudeau is a huge WAF guy huge. he's huge and he's incredibly paid off 
And he's a complete nightmare when it comes to regulation and policy to the point where his own government is turning on him. So I mean, he, he's more of a WF guy than Biden ever was. Oh, Biden doesn't even scratch, doesn't hold a candle. No, no. Doesn't hold so a Biden's candle. Kind of like the, Biden's kind of like the older generation. Right? Mm-hmm. That was before these organizations were like, Biden was basically in politics before the WF ever even got off the ground, right? So he's he's sort of been one of these guys. Um, he's old, right? <laughs> as old as he is. Um, you know, he's he's not from that generation. The next generation that's coming up, I mean, they are huge, huge tapped in. And what the WF does, similar, by the way, to the CCP, is, in in the sense as well, is that for in the party, for example, for the CCP, they kind of wait until someone is making a name for themselves, but they wait until you're on, you're on the come up, right? When they see someone on the come up, whether it's business or tech or politics, you know, young future leaders, et cetera, then they come up to you and the CCP comes up and they give you the red envelope Mm. and and you know, what's in the red envelope. That's an application to join the party. And guess what happens if you say no, guess what happens? Life is over. Done. Your career is over. You know, you're working at a convenience store, gas station, the rest of your life, you're out, right? They're not going to, you know, they won't like imprison you or something, but you're, you know, it's it's this Faustian deal, right? It's they see someone who's talented, they see someone who's on the come up and they wait and they come to you and they say, here's, it's like the mafia, right? You know, mm-hmm. here's the option. You join us and you get all the, the earthly riches that you would ever want, or you don't join us and you go right back to the gutter. It's so frustrating to me to watch, to see how involved the CCP are in Canadian politics, but also to see how involved people like the finance minister are in Canadian politics. Well, what's amazing, by the way, real quick, is that um, when we were in the World Economic Forum, obviously you hear, and you mentioned Freeland, um, you know, Ukraine is everywhere, Ukrainian flags, Ukraine You went to Ukraine. Russian war crimes. We did. We just came back from Ukraine. We went down to the city of Odessa. We went to Mikolaev, um, pretty close to where some of the some of the action is. I'm not trying to you know overplay. I didn't see any action myself. You know, we heard, the most we heard we saw some you know you know battle damage on some buildings. Heard some some booms in the distance, but that's that's all we saw in Ukraine. Uh, we saw about that too. But um, when you look at the World Economic Forum, the one thing, the one word that you never heard once, not a single session was held on this. I don't even think the word graced the lips of a single speaker, Taiwan. Oh, and the fact that they're about to be overrun? No, it's Operation T. Operation T is coming, right? You got Operation Z, that's Putin going into Ukraine. Operation T, that's that's gonna be the next one. And whether it's gonna be uh, my naval analysis hat on, I would say it's probably gonna be more like a naval blockade. Um, oh yeah, they're start, already just, pushing ships. They're already, yeah. That's I've been having conversations with people in Taiwan, and mm. I on like on a, like I literally have messaged people and been like, just leave now, leave now, and they're like, it's going to be fine. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. Like you're not getting the same information the rest of the world is getting. Clearly, that's evident. That's obvious. So yeah, you get can't to, get to Japan, get to Guam, wherever go Korea, literally wherever anywhere else go, yeah. this year. Do it now because. It's been 
walked back that the United States will not interfere. They initially said they would interfere. They would come to their aid. And I haven't, I'm pretty sure that's been walked back. Has that statement been walked back by the White House? Well, they always walk it back, right? They always yeah. walk it back. And I don't think, so officially the United States maintains a, I can do, I can do this, right? Cause I'm a China guy. Um, I know that's why I talked to you about it. Maintains a, a policy of strategic ambiguity towards Taiwan where the United States, and is really kind of the Western position in general, where they don't recognize the sovereignty of Taiwan, but they also don't recognize the uh, the CCP's claim to Taiwan. So it's like a mm. it's like a double um, non recognition. Now, what's interesting is because Taiwan exists, and for the benefit of people who don't know, Taiwan exists as a separate political state because Taiwan is the remainder, it is the, it is the unfinished business of the Chinese Civil War of 1949. And in the Chinese Civil War, it was between the government of China at the time, which was called the Republic of China, and the CCP, so the Communist Revolution. So the communists sweep over, they take all of China by 1949, October 1st, 1949, Chairman Mao goes to uh, Tiananmen Square makes his, you know, a statement establishing the People's Republic of China. But prior to that, um, that's when the Republic of China, right, Chiang Kai-shek, the Generalissimo, flees to Taiwan with the Treasury of China, by the way, flees to Taiwan and takes over that island. So they're still the Republic of China. So the government of Taiwan still claims to be the legitimate government of all of china right mm. and mongolia by the way because at the time mongolia was part of china and so if you go to taiwan and see a map you'll see mongolia is included they claim sovereignty over all of china china the ccp claims sovereignty over taiwan and so what the u.s says this is and this is the this is this is what's referred to as the one china policy the u.s says taiwan is part of china and Taiwan and China's part of Taiwan. And they say, well, which government has, has power over either? They say, uh, we don't recognize. So it's, it's yeah. very ambiguous, right? Um, and it's, you know, I guess it would be like if, you know, I don't know, Texas or Florida had, you know, had stayed part of the Confederacy during the US Civil War, something, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard to find a direct, you know, a direct analogy or a direct parallel to uh, to something in the U.S., but it's it's a it is the remainder of a civil war, right? Same language, same culture, uh, same same people, same history, but with the difference of obviously one is a communist dictatorship and the other one is a democracy. And so, um, since that time, the U.S. has pledged that they would defend Taiwan in the event of an invasion. They never say from who, but Biden at many times will say, "Of course, we'll go to war for Taiwan." Of course, and keep in mind, Taiwan at this point, it is Silicon Valley West. It is the mm -hmm. strategic resource, 40% of the world's semiconductors and something like 70% of the super semiconductors, they're coming from Taiwan. Now, I wish, by the way, I would love that those were being built in the West and the US, Canada, et cetera. I'd love that. But that's just a fact. That's just yeah, a fact. They're being and built China, there. The CCP knows that if they take Taiwan, then they, they take will control. all of us. Anything that has a microchip in it, a computer chip in it, from your computer to your iPhone to your F-150, right, has to go through there. So they will have that strategic choke point the same way the CCP has cornered the market 
on rare earth elements, they will corner the entire semiconductor market and then have total control economically of so many of these countries. So what they could use this, by the way, as, as a causes belli, they could use uh, nationalization of a semiconductor company because there are some Taiwanese companies that have facilities in Shanghai mm -hmm. um, and other companies that have facilities throughout China, right? Because they, they were trying to do some economic integration under the previous Taiwanese president, Ma Yingzhou. And they were attempting to kind of have to kind of smooth the the tensions between the two. Um, and so that's why they built these companies that are, you know, sort of across the strait. And I've, I've been on that strait. I've been on Navy ships going through that strait uh, when I was in the service. So that's something that's very well known to me. I've stood on both sides of it, both on the Fujian side and the Taiwan side. And uh, let's, it's not big, right? It's, it's very close. And so to to put it to that extent, right, the best option for the West in this situation is deterrence, right? Um, mm -hmm. The same way that obviously deterrence failed when it came to Ukraine, um, you need some kind of serious deterrence, whether it be from the US Navy or from, and I think in economic sense, that's out. It's gotta be military deterrence at this point because China is looking at what's going on in Ukraine right now and sees that Vladimir Putin essentially has a free hand. I mean, the Russian economy <laughs> Is, is doing just fine. They've increased their oil sales. The ruble's higher than it's ever been. The sanctions seem to be hurting people in the West more they are more than they are in people in Russia. You know, they changed the name of the, there's oh no McDonald's anymore. Okay, well they nationalized all the McDonald's locations. Yeah. And by the way, McDonald's is not a strategic national resource, I think for anybody, because guess what? If you have food security and you have energy security and you have, by the way, how many, all oh, right, 6,000 nuclear weapons, guess yeah. what? you can withstand sanctions. That's what Russia is doing right now. And so the CCP, Xi Jinping, he is hurtling towards a confrontation over Taiwan. I call it Operation T. Nothing's going to happen. What's coming up? What's coming up this November? This November is the 20th party Congress for the CCP. Xi Jinping is up to be named chairman for life. Of yeah, the I was just going to say that. This has never happened before in the history of the CCP, except for one other time, Mao Zedong. That's and it's going to happen. The person who was named chairman for life. And so if he feels, you now there's different factions within the CCP. There's a kind of a Shanghai faction, a Beijing faction. There's the princelings. There's um, the previous president, Jiang Zemin, uh, who's sort of, sort of seen as the head of this anti-Xi faction because they don't like the power. They, they want to go back to more of the technocratic, you know, sort of, boring leadership of that we saw from the 90s into the 2000s but but Xi Jinping no he wants total control he wants that cold personality and so many people are saying that in order for him to really solidify his power over the party if he can be the chairman the leader of the CCP that returns Taiwan to mm. the whole of China the same way that he returned really return, and not just I mean Hong Kong had already been turned over yeah, but now, but it had, it had been under this idea of what was called two, one country, two systems. And it was a, a 50 year pledge that the CCP, oh, a pledge, right? A pledge, right? <laughs> that the CCP had made with the UK to not interfere in the internal practices and policies of Hong Kong. Um, essentially, they wouldn't make them communist for 50 years. And they were just going to, you know, provide some basic, like a military garrison, a protected, you know, um, strategic national defense, et cetera. Yeah, that's 
all out the window. We saw that completely go out the window in 2019 when the new law was signed that essentially gave the CCP policing authority over the entire territory of Hong Kong, which is much bigger than just Hong Kong City. And so that's gone completely out the window. So Xi Jinping does have credit now in the eyes of the Chinese people, of the people that are following him, people who do support him um, as returning Hong Kong to the fold completely. What's next? Operation T. It's going to happen. Taiwan's going to go. And you know what's going to happen? Nothing. No one's going to do a damn thing about it. The same way that nothing's really happening to Putin. He, There's been several situations that have come up in uh, the Russian-Ukraine war. And it's really troubling to see how little is really being done. Because at the end of the day, none of these sanctions are hurting Putin himself. All of no. these sanctions are hurting the citizens. And the citizens are the ones yes. that have to pay the price. And that's why he will keep pushing forward. That's why he did with Crimea. He saw that his hands will only be slapped. All that he really does is partner with China in a bigger way. China came out, Mao came out and spoke very will, publicly in support of this. We will see, and she, um, we will see a hundred years from now, right? They will look back and they will see the policy of the West to drive China and Russia together in an alliance Mm -hmm. will be looked at as the greatest foreign policy blunder in in modern history. Uh, the idea that you have these two powers, one an economic superpower and the other a military superpower, and then to demonize them both, to try to target them both at the same time, push them out of the system, drive them into each other's arms at the same time, by the way, that, and keep in mind, China, the CCP, they're they're not they're not successful economically they're only successful economically because they're funded by foreign capital from western banks right if you pull that foreign capital out right now if you use economic leverage they fall they're done yeah right they cannot do that. why does shanghai look like that look beautiful and the city of detroit the city of chicago you know go down the list all these other cities are completely falling apart that's no one's willing money, to do it though. No one will be willing money. to do that. No one will be willing to pull the hard card. Billions, trillions of dollars at stake. We're talking but about that's why China and Russia will succeed in these invasions. Yes, they'll have their hands slapped, but nothing will really ever happen because no one will ever stand up to them. Because if you stood up to them, what you're saying is is world war three there is that division there is that you know the tower the hill that whole they're coming they're coming and america and the rest of the world are going to sit there and allow it to happen taiwan will be invaded and next time you come on we'll have said hey do you remember when i said taiwan will be invaded the united states will do nothing about it nato will leave it completely alone just the same way they do with the uyghurs just the same way they do with tibet about, just the same um... way they do with anywhere else about a week after, maybe a week, a couple of days after the uh, the recent uptick in Russia, Ukraine, um, you know, the recent the launch of the operation, Operation Z, I think I tweeted something like Taiwan should just start mining the strait right now. Just get it yeah. over with. Let's get it done. Because I would bet Keep all of mind, the money. That's a, that's a huge strategic, uh, those waters, right? The other thing, by the way, that people don't need to understand is that, again, Navy analysis at Right. A lot of people don't think about this, but 90% of world products, right, travel over the seas, travel yep. in on, on the ocean, right? With you know, we have airplanes now, but air travel is very expensive. It's getting coming more expensive because of gas prices. 
um, thanks Trudeau, thanks Biden, that those maritime shipping lanes, because of the way globalism and the globalist system has been set up, is that the manufacturing is done in China and other parts of Asia, and then it is transported on the ships across mm -hmm. the Pacific to Canada, to the United States, and then back across uh, through the Straits of Malacca to Europe. Those strategic straits, right, if you're coming up, where are those main shipping lanes located? They're located right next to Taiwan. They're right, yeah. literally right there. You're main, because all of shipping comes down, right? Whatever, and whether you're a Democrat country or uh, a dictatorship, authoritarianism, whatever you want to call it, um, it all comes down to costs, right? Mm -hmm. And those, those shipping companies, believe me, it's just geography, right? They want point A to point B as fast as possible. So when you're cutting across the South China Sea, the East China Sea, you want to get as close to Taiwan as you can while shooting up towards, and then you can pop into the Bohai Gulf, of Beijing, you can get to South Korea, you can get to Japan. Obviously, that's so much of our technology is coming through there. These are some of the most strategically important shipping lanes in the entire world. And the CCP knows that if they get Taiwan, they have total control, total control over those shipping lanes. Do you really, hmm, I try not to be negative, but do you, see this being walked back to you see us being able to stop what's happening it really does feel like china has put its hands on so many parts of the globe right now and it's strategically doing something everywhere that's going to have such a mass impact in such a short period of time do you see us being able to defend any sort of aspect we've talked about today the wf who anything with taiwan like do you see any of this well i will i will say this right it it all starts with 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 people waking up right the only way to stop the great reset is a great awakening right and you have people who wake up to understand that these global governments um and i people call it elite capture they're all captured by the ccp it's not a capture it's a merger it's a merger between the ccp and the west that's their one percent and our one percent right this is a merger they want elysium they want the elites to have the you remember, you remember that photo that came out of Jeff Bezos on his yacht with oh, his girlfriend, yeah. you know, sunning while everybody else is locked down and trying to, and then he's up in his spaceship, right? You know, he's living the good life, yeah. right? They want the Elysium for us while everybody else gets the metaverse, gets pollution, gets low wage. And keep in mind, we didn't even talk about how the Great Reset, one of its aims is to reduce ownership ability. They do yes. not want you to own anything. So they want you to turn everyone into serfs, essentially Russian serfs, where it's all these subscription services, right? The same way that if you notice, if you look at just consumer products now, you don't own anything anymore. Everything's turning into a service. It's a rental or it's a subscription, whether it's an app, whether it's your, you know, nobody buys movies anymore. That's all streaming subscriptions. Um, they want cars to go to streaming subscriptions and the car will drive itself. You know, you just subscribe to Ford, subscribe to Tesla, subscribe to whatever. Um, so you won't own that. They're doing with clothing as well, you know, um, mm -hmm. where they, they will have like these services where you rent clothes for a week, then you take them back after you've worn them, they wash them for you and they just rent another set of clothes. They don't. And of course, the most ubiquitously, this is being done with home ownership, right? 
You've got Bill Gates buying up all the farmland, all the food producing yep. agricultural land. Then you've got play, uh, Warren Buffett's doing the same thing, Berkshire Hathaway. And then you've got these groups like BlackRock, like Blackstone, uh, State Street, Vanguard. They're purchasing everything because they're getting money that's being printed by the central banks. And yeah, they're raising rates a little bit because inflation's out of control. But inflation doesn't hurt the people that are closest to the bank. There's actually, um, so the, and they're buying up all the all the individual homes right? Because they want to own the home. So your banker, right? Guess what? Your, your landlord will now be your banker. Your landlord will now be Wall Street, right? And by the way, this, um, that issue, that, that effect, it's actually something called the Cotillion effect. So the Cotillion effect, something that a French, I, I looked this up, right? Right. I did some research, did some homework on this. The Cotillion effect was, it's so simple, right? Because back in the kingdom of France in the middle ages, there was an economist who was looking at this situation. He saw that whenever the kingdom discovered a new gold mine, they would say, well, who benefits? What happens when a new gold mine is discovered and more gold is injected into the royal economy? And they said, well, it's interesting because you'd think that it would be the people that live around the gold mine that might you know, benefit the most because gold was found in their backyard. No, no, no. The people who benefited the most were the ones who were closest to the crown hmm. they got first access to the new gold then they would spend the gold so they were buddies with the throne they would spend the gold out into the market that jacks up prices for everything else and the quote-unquote trickle-down effect is a rise in prices for those furthest away that's the still the same way that inflation works today only we don't use gold anymore we use money printing so whenever they print money it benefits those closest to the throne at the expense of those furthest away. It's the exact same thing we still see today. It's insane. It's insane to see how people are just not getting it. But I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm glad. That's all we can do is educate them the best we possibly right. can. If you, if you start to get politicians and you start to get leaders, guess what? To say, we want to take our sovereignty back. Yeah. We want we want to be citizens who stand for sovereignty, whether it be the sovereignty of, of 194 nations, by the way, right? I believe in this for every country, right? Mm -hmm. You should all, we should all be sovereign. We should all have our sovereignty and we should have the ability to go to our leaders and say, look, I, I don't want to be controlled by the guidance of some guy, some doctor in Geneva that was appointed by a CCP, uh, you know, task force. I don't want to be beholden to the supply chains of China or the whims of, you know, some wacky doctor in Washington, DC or, or, or some economist on Wall Street, right? I want to have actual control and actual power over my decisions, over my future. I want to have ownership. By the way, when we talk about ownership, right? This is why it's so important. In, in Mandarin Chinese, the way that they say the word for communism, right? So communism, right? They call it so, so the ideology of public property, that's literal translation. They call it pro public propertyism. When you really boil down all of communism, isn't that what it means? The abolition of private property, that all property will be owned by the collective, the state, and that you do not have ownership or control over anything. I would love to see them start trying to take people's homes from them in the United States. It would be I mean, entertaining. It's, it's, we have, we have uh, foreclosures that happen all the time. We have, and that's the thing with, with millennials, with zoomers, 
they don't even have homes to begin with. They want homes. They right. can't afford them. And so they start renting, but then the rent goes up. And so mm -hmm. you don't get capital formation, right? So you can't form uh, enough capital to be able to put down a down payment, the 10%, 20%, whatever it is on a home. So you can't even take out a mortgage because you're paying so much in rent all the time. And who's making money off of that? The owners and the owners in this case, it's BlackRock, Blackstone, these massive money management firms with trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars in wealth that they manage. And then they hand it out to their buddies through these ESG systems with corporate social responsibility. It's, it's essentially a corporate social credit score. Also a hallmark of the CCP, a social credit score, right? So the idea is that a company will be graded based on how well, how woke they are, how equitable they are, mm -hmm. right? This is why, by the way, there's that phrase, um, this meme of like, get woke, go broke. And they say, well, well, how come all this woke stuff is going on? Nobody, nobody seems to like it, but yet all the products and all the companies are going woke, right? Because they want the money, because they want the financial capital that's mm -hmm. going through this system. And once you understand that the wokest companies get more money, then you understand why all the companies' logos change on June first, and everyone has to pay, you know, uh, pay lip service to this, and they go through this act, right? Right? It's 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 there is a massive financial system being set up to support this, and so. You can get right if you're someone who's who's on that side of the aisle. If you're someone who's pushing like super woke values, right? You don't need to to vote. You don't need to push them through the ballot box. You do it through corporate power. You do it through mm -hmm. corporate finance system. And if you're doing it through the corporate finance system, then guess what? You've got more money than anyone else in the world combined. That's just the mark of wealth. At that point, it's like. June first. Who's super wealthy? We'll all find out real quick. Exactly right. Yeah, they. I. I. I heard a phrase recently that uh, it's called luxury beliefs. Right. You have Ooh. to be rich enough to have luxury beliefs. Right. And that's opposed to just like you know I don't know working class beliefs or or middle class. Right. It's luxury beliefs. So if you have, it's and that's kind of what it's come into. Right. I'm so wealthy that I believe in five thousand genders. You know. Yeah. Right. And it's it's become and they're not and that those super wealthy aren't buying necessarily cars anymore or houses. It's that they're you know they're they're signaling their virtue virtue signaling through these these luxury beliefs. And I think that's a really interesting topic. I, I, yeah, that, um, we'll have you come on and I want to, we're going to do a whole hour on that next time. Luxury beliefs, because Easily I love going, that. Yeah. Oh, oh no, we're going to, I'm telling you it's happening. Right, and that's why, you know, you look at the, you look at some of the things that like you know, a normal family might worry about, you know, gas prices being through the roof food. or food prices being through. I love, by the way, and not to make it too newsy, but you know, Biden came out and said, something this week about how, um, well, he said, you know, if you take out food and fuel prices, inflation actually isn't that bad. And I it's said, not even that bad. I said, oh, if you just take out food and fuel, you mean like the two most important things that every single family is forced to spend money on every, every day, in some cases, yep. every week, right? If you take away basic necessities, then it's not so, oh, great, great. Yeah. That's why I said, I look at it and say, I'm not one of those guys who gets you know too emotional. I almost threw something at my TV screen because I'm saying those are the only things that we should be talking about when we're talking about inflation, right? Nobody's worried about you know the dog walker went up a couple of bucks. No, they're worried about food and fuel, right? That's mm -hmm. exactly the two things that hit families the most, and those are up 25, 30 percent. 
real problems. There, uh, there's real problems in the world. And the fact that people aren't catching on to those, it, it's exactly what you said. It's a privilege that they have and Love not, yeah. And most of the United States and Canada and the rest of the world going through this inflation issue, were not third. <laughs> We've just, never just, been pressured. Just from experience, you know, and prior to, you know, getting detained and everything at the world economic forum, those people they're, they're floated by all of this money, by this, mm -hmm. this financial system, the financialization system I'm talking about. It's all funny money. It's all monopoly money. These people have never worked a day in their life. They, they don't understand how the world, because their world is fundamentally different from the world that you, I, and everybody else Correct. operate in and, and dwell in. Um, they will always have money. They will always have access to money. Their families are wealthy. They're, they're wealthy through the firms they're at. Um, and they sit in there in these, it's, it's like a citadel, right? In this, in this uh, top of the world, right? The Swiss Alps top, you know, the top of, of civilization discussing how the rest of everyone else will live. And they're just, how can we fix this problem? How can we fix that problem? They're and they, playing they, God. They, yeah, they think they are the ones pulling the strings, and they are, I mean, in, in some senses, uh, who are just who are just altruistic and doing it for the betterment of everyone else. And then, you know, then 4.30 comes, rolls around and say, hey, where are we going for drinks? Where are we going for burgers, right? You know, there isn't even any, any sense internally of how they're viewed. There's no self-awareness whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's the smuggest place with so much self-pride that that I've been probably in my life, actually probably in my life when I went to Davos. And I thought I thought DC was bad. And I've been in DC 10 years. No, Davos was on a whole other level, whole other level. It could just be the accents, but there's something about really rich people from Europe when they start speaking that just makes everyone else feel a little bit lower than that. Well, and they and they want you to, right? And that's the thing is they want you to, they want you to know your place. They want you to know your role. They want you to know that you are better, or excuse me, that they are better than you. Um, you're just some some pleb. You're some, you know, some ruffian. That's 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 just in their way. Well, they're gonna start learning. I feel like I'm. And then if I'm there and I'm in there, what do they do? They detain me and all my team. Yeah, because it's easy. You're an easy target. There's no repercussions with you. Yeah. Exactly. The word is yet. Always put the word yet at the end Always, of those oh, sentences. We, oh, we'll we'll work. We're working on some repercussions because keep in mind, I hear the next. Uh, I hear the next World Economic Forum is just only five months away. Oh, amazing. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, yes. Maybe I'll have to join you on this trip. January. Yeah, well, they'll let you out of the country. Hey, we're being told apparently on Tuesday, that is when mandates are lifting, but those who are unvaccinated. So just to make it clear, up until this point, which today is June 16th, 2022, Canadians who are unvaccinated cannot leave their country freely, just making that clear. So when that does happen, those that want to travel, though, when you do travel, you still have to quarantine for two weeks when you get home. Yeah, the Soviet Union used to have what's called exit visas. Yeah. Um, so you you would have to apply to the government to leave the country. And that's basically- you Welcome to Canada. You don't even have that because you yeah. don't have the option. We don't even get an option. Wow. We're a communist dictatorship that's folding in on itself and it's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on, Jack, and telling us everything about uh, the past few weeks. And I do want to, like I said, we're going to have him on again. We're going to go over a few more topics. I feel like we got some stuff to talk about, my friend. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, you can always find me. 
uh, tpusa.com. I speak at all the Turning Point events. We've got another one coming up the end of July down in Tampa. So I'll be speaking there. Uh, do the Daily Show as well, Human Events Daily. It's not as long as this, not long form and just kind of rolling around, but it's it's very short. It's quick. It's punchy. Um, so Human Events Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. And then, of course, uh, social media, uh, Twitter, Truth, Getter, uh, Instagram, all, all the best. Just my name, Jack Posobiec, P-O-S-O-B-I-E-C. I love that I can actually spell it properly now without having to double check it. I'm proud of myself. That's where I we're appreciate at now. That. That's nice. That's nice. We're sometimes getting like, there, my friend. That's okay. It's all right. We'll get there. Listen, sometimes I fat finger it. That's okay. I, was, I nailed it. By the way, that was the nice thing about being in Eastern Europe because uh, right before we went to Ukraine, spent some time in Poland. I was in Hungary and I uh, got to see my family over there. And it's, and it's amazing because you go to that part of the world and everyone's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, perfectly normal. Yeah, it's perfectly normal. No, I love it, man. Okay, we'll put everything in the bio and uh, we'll see you on the show pretty soon. I'm hopeful. Everyone else, we'll see you next week.